All right, welcome to this week's podcast of We Need This. I'm Chris Drumheller, a professor of communication. I'm Nate Smith, a professor of counselor education, and today's April 18th of 2020, um, and we have been, we took a, a short break, right, and just to kind of... Little the, one, right, catch our just, breath. Yeah, let the juices simmer, let something... Um, and kind of think about where we are in the in, in everything. So just to get everybody, I don't know about you, Chris, but I like to um, situate these podcasts in time because it's what we're talking about has a lot of uh, it has sort of context in you know the time that we're, we're we're recording this. But then also there's a lot of things that sort of translate across. So if it's okay, can we review kind of just what's going on in the world at, in the last couple, say last week or so? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's do that. So, so recently, what we, we've seen uh, the first wave of the coronavirus stimulus checks uh, come, come out. Um, we've seen um, some, what else? Uh, a lot of conversations about winter. I think we've seen the shelter-in-place order where we live has been extended by two weeks to the end of the month of April. So about another 12-ish days or so. Um, what else? What are the things am I missing here that we've seen kind of big happen? It depends on how um, how much we want to get into things like this, but we have a president who has tried to assert authoritarian power and has encouraged uh, Second Amendment um, expressions against mm-hmm. governors he doesn't agree with, which I find very problematic. And um, today we're going to talk about anger and it's anger inducing for me that we have a leader who's focusing more on aggressive behaviors than supporting communicate uh, community behaviors. And that's, that's kind right. of the well, I think this. That's an excellent segue into what we're, our topic today is, which is, is anger. Uh, and I don't know if you want to call this like mass anger or community anger or zeitgeist anger, whatever you want to call this. A lot of people are very frustrated right now. Right. Can, can you talk a little bit about what people are frustrated about? Kind of what are the two sides of the argument? So, so one of the things, and what got us to this topic, we were getting ready for book club, virtual book club, of course. And we started talking before it just about how I will say my sleep patterns are worse than they've ever been. And I, I don't really have room to complain. I know there's people who really have insomnia problems and I still get decent sleep. But I'll, I'll be okay during the day and then my brain starts working at night when I'm like getting just angry and frustrated over things that I've heard all day. You know, like I'm really angry about people who are making fun of people wearing masks in grocery stores and um, giving people a hard time and not just customers, like customers treating customers poorly, but also mistreating the people who are working in these places and we need them to be working and we need them to be safe. and. Oh, that makes me so mad and frustrated and my brain just keeps going um, and thinking about what would I do if I experienced it. I think that's part of that. And then I think the flip side is, and I don't think we want to ignore this. I don't know. I don't, I think there's some differences in how we feel, but we are getting frustrated. And I do think that we should talk a little bit about how do we make sure those frustrations aren't coming out with our kids uh, in particular, or our partners or whoever we live with in our house, even our pets, you know, when they steal blueberry muffins. Yeah, oh Lord, that's a whole story. Did, we, did I tell that on the podcast? I don't think you did, but okay, I want okay. you to tell that story. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, how do we make sure we're not getting, you know, we're gonna probably be nagging our kids more than normal. Hey, 
get your homework done because now we're the homeschooling parents. Um, we now may have extended chores that they're having to do, extra disinfecting, those kinds of things that we didn't have them doing before. Um, so, you know, yeah, looking at all these different sides of anger, frustration, and how it's affecting us right now and with the difficulty, we can't just like get out and go vent and explore with friends, go have a drink. We have to do that within the confines of our home still. So, yeah. I think that's fantastic. And I'll, a, a good sort of representation of, I think, how many of us are feeling. I know myself, um, I got angry and I posted a video on Facebook. Um, what happened was I, I got sent this video of a gal from Instagram who was saying we need to fight the power and you know it's not we're unconstitutionally being you know quarantined and and like there's like this real public dis demonstration of anger in that we're seeing a lot of um uh people sort of the two sides of the coin publicly there's the people are upset with the 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 government extending the the uh, stay-at-home orders and extending the keeping the economy closed and keeping things kind of under quarantine. And then there's the other side of people going, okay, we've had enough. The economy, you know, isn't, isn't doing well and all of these things. And, you know, I think that a lot of that comes out of people are, are frustrated and they're hung. They want to get out of their house. They want to go back to work. They want to go back to normal. Um, and, and so this video was expressing that and I was expressing, so, and they were like, there were open calls to disobey disobey i don't know if that's the right word but to to essentially disobey what the cdc's recommended in terms of like healthy practices in the public right. and, and things like that and i and express this like in my video of just like like this is not over people are still getting ill there's still transmission issues like you know like you and then like and then they like and there's also like an issue of information you know we talked about the veracity in a couple of the last episode i think you know, and like, so they're getting incorrect health information, all these things. And so my frustration was coming from a place of like, people not taking it seriously enough. And it was almost like, I, my frustration was responding to these other people's frustration, who's like, I'm ready to go back to work, I want my life back, you know, yada, yada. And so, um, and I think that you have, you really touched on a good point that um, when we're in, it was frustrating, you know, and, 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 and and with you know the president being the way is which you know whatever but um it's definitely a feeling uh, like sort of a uh, i don't know if you want to call it meta feeling of like in this country that people are really upset and they're frustrated they're irritable they're ready to get out of the house their cabin fever the weather's nice or getting you know in most places and um especially you know where we're at especially um and and so it's like how do you manage that with the fact that hey um, there's the coronavirus is still an issue and still going on, right? Um, yeah, and you know, I think the, the added to that is, and, and you brought up the veracity piece we did, is when you've got Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz being <laughs> the people that are coming out and saying, sure, I think it'll be fine to open up schools. And these are people, they're media fig figures that some people do trust, whether <laughs> they should or not, not gonna comment on that but they are contradicting people who are clear epidemiologists. They're the ones who are, have been working on the, in the um, actual working with the virus and they're contradicting some of them. And that's, that's problematic because we need to have information that supports 
our health as a community. And I, I don't think we're getting enough of that. I have to admit, um, I, uh, Dr. Phil, I watched that video. I um, saw it pop up and I went to YouTube and I watched that interview he did with uh, Laura, I think Laura Ingram, I think is who it was, or Megan Kelly. I think it was Laura Ingram. Um, and, and I watched that and I, I was pretty disappointed. Like, I'll be honest with you, as a mental health professional, I am of two minds about Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil is a legitimate psychologist. He has a PhD in, in clinical psychology from the University of North Texas and a master's degree in experimental psychology from UNT. He is a, a really well-educated uh, psychologist who had a license with the State Board of Texas and um, is legitimately educated and is a legitimate mental health professional, well, was a legitimate mental health professional. Um, and, and I need to talk about the history of that because I've done an extensive deep dive into like Dr. Phil McGraw and, and what I, because my mom's a big fan of him. And I don't think everything he has to say is bad. I actually think that there are things that he talks about on his show, um, you know, some of the resources he provides his guests and stuff that are okay. I mean, is it the best? No, but it's certainly better than nothing. Um, and so I don't throw everything out that he says. Um, but the unfortunate thing is, is when you get situations like this, where he is literally like, like I read this article that was talking about the statistics he was quoting, right? Like more people die in car accidents or whatever, all these ridiculous, like non, what do you, what do you call that when they're like two things that don't relate? I, 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 there's a word for that, but these two non-related things that he's trying to create a connection to right. and, and and it, and it doesn't hold up. And then that's when I get really like I'm, I'm frustrated with people like Dr. Phil, who who have you know who have like legitimate credentials and and genuinely do have the propensity to offer good sound recommendations. But then I don't know if it's playing into the media buzz or whatever it is, because it's not you know forgive the term sexy to be. Um, you know, to follow what the CDC says, you know, sometimes being the vo the oppositional voice gets you more clicks, gets you more likes, whatever, whatever. And so I was really disappointed when he said that because you have someone like Dr. Fauci, who's extraordinarily decorated by the, the you know, for this, he's got like the highest level of civilian honors um, as a scientist and, and an MD and like, and is extremely uh, well-educated and, and, and considered the, you, you know, the top expert in the United States saying the direct opposite of what Dr. Phil is saying, who, you know, again, has legitimate credentials, um, but sounds like a gigantic hack compared to Dr. Fauci. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. It's really mind boggling. So, and then I think this feeds that anger that we have when you're like, oh, we're trying so hard. And yet you have these people. And I think that these types of people, when you're contradicting the CDC and health experts, it fuels those people who want to make fun of others for being afraid of COVID. And, you know, and for the record, most of us aren't afraid that we're going to get it. Nobody wants it. It's a horrible disease. But uh, we are trying to take care of others in our community. So when I wear a mask, if I'm sick and don't know it, I'm not spitting on anybody and I'm not getting anybody sick, right? right? And for people not to respect that, even if you choose not to wear a mask, although that's another frustration for me, if you choose not to wear one. And, and I will say that I fully acknowledge uh, some of the issues with privilege and being able to wear masks. I fully acknowledge the challenges black men in particular have putting a mask on 
yeah. or um, probably Hispanic men as well in uh, areas where gangs are heavy. I totally get where that's a challenge um, and certainly respect that. But when you walk in to a grocery store and not even half of the people in there have any kind of mask whatsoever, you have to question what they're listening to that makes them think that that's okay, mm -hmm. that they are willing to risk the health of the people who are working to help them have food on their table. Yeah. Why would you do that? It's so frustrating to me. And I think those are the things that go through my head at night and, you know, what do I say? What do I do? Um, I'll do, I'll do uh, something similar along the same lines. So I was having a great conversation with a friend of mine um, and we were talking about, you know, we've been, I'll admit in the last week, my social distancing hasn't been at, I mean, I've been, I've gone to the grocery store, you know, but for the most part I've stayed at home and, and things like that. Um, but we, you know, but prior to that, we were very strict staying at home for days and days and days at a time. And my friend and I were talking about the frustration we would have is when we would go out to the grocery store and the tr there's like traffic and people walking the sidewalk, you know, and all these things. And it's like, you feel almost a little slighted because if it's like, why am I staying at home practicing social distancing when nobody else is, you know? Right. And, and we're trying to follow in, in the pra health practices as well as possible and everything. But then you turn around and like most other people aren't. You can feel frustrated about that because it's like, then it's all for naught. It's, you know, it's for no good reason. And, and so uh, I, I get that sense of like, then why even bother? Like I've, I've had that thought, like, what am I even bothering? You know, because nobody else is doing it. Is what a, you know, and I, and I, uh, and those are in my more say weaker moments, you know, um, but at the same time, it's, it's a legitimate thing to think about when it's like, if nobody else is doing this, you know, why am I doing this? And I mean, of course we can say, well, the CDC and, you know, quote all those things, but it's like this emotional reasoning you do with yourself that says like, um, uh, uh, trying to like negotiate that with yourself of like your life. Um, unfortunately not everybody's life can stop like mine has, you know, and I can work from home, but, um, certainly it, it, it offers, there's a dissonance, like a cognitive dissonance that happens inside of me. Uh, when I, I do it. think that some of it, those of us who, who do live in immunocompromised households think differently. And I will tell you this. Um, so I was thinking back to 2003. I was the sickest I've ever been in my entire life. Um, a kid got sick as well. We went to this clinic. We'd been in El Paso with my mom went to this clinic. I mean, I thought I was going to go to the hospital. I've never been this sick in my life. Couldn't breathe, just congested head to toe. And I got terrible treatment at this clinic. By the time I get home, we'd been living in Abilene at the time. By the time I get home and I go to the doctor, I, I don't just have one round of antibiotics, which this clinic refused to give me. I was on two rounds, um, breathing treatments, all kinds of things. Um, the, I had a type of Pneumonia is what he thinks. That was never tested. But in 2003, this uh, it's called chlamydial pneumonia. So you can make all of the STD jokes you want to. Oh, come on. Did. Not um, our audience. Our audience is sophisticated and mature. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in 2003, th there's a possibility that what I actually had was a form of SARS-CoV. Oh now, I can't prove that. I can't say. I'm really hopeful because maybe I have some antibodies. That'd be great. Um, but I can tell you, I never want to be that sick in my life again. It was so horrible. I thought I was dying. 
And so even from that, I'm like, why do you want to go out and risk getting this disease? I mean, just listening to what people go through, why would you want it? It is a lung disease. You're not going to be able to breathe. It's going to attack every function of your body. And if you think staying inside for weeks on end is going to be bad, just wait till you cannot physically move or you're on a ventilator. Why? I don't even understand that mentality. Yeah. And I think therein lies the anger um of of because it's almost like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't um yeah. in in some essence of like i am low because like i remember thinking back to listening to that dr phil's comments um and thinking he's talking about depression and, and isolation and you know he's quoting like well you know depression costs the united states 200 million dollars a year blah 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 and all these things and he goes you know he's comparing that to you know risking getting the the illness and everything and and it's and so in, in a way, it's sort of you are damned if you do or damned if you don't. If, if you are in, say you are quarantining and you're not, you're feeling, you know, your mental health is suffering because of it and everything. And the, I mean, your next best choice is to go and, and risk get, catching coronavirus, like, or COVID. You know, so it's like, again, I, I think for me, it's like when these two options that don't live together create rubbed together, it a, creates a friction. That friction is the anger. Because I think of anger as like an energy. I think of anger as, uh, you know, uh, uh, anger is a very strong emotion that isn't as always is characterized as, as bad. And, and I don't always think that it's a bad emotion because um, a lot of good things have come from anger. You know, I think about the civil rights movement. I think about, you know, people, it, anger has motivated people to m move in a way that is a direction of progress. So it's not so much, it's, it's unconstructive anger or de destructive anger really is the thing that we're, we're, we, we, we're afraid of right. or, or more even so acts of violence, things with rage, right? Um, so anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. So the, the problem is, it's like, what do you do with those emotions? Because that is an emotion you have to do something with, right? You can't, it's very, very difficult to sit in anger. I mean, it is because it's, it's, an, it's, it, in my, it's my estimation, it's an evolutionary emotion that forces you to do something. Protect yourself, run away, or freeze, in an F, you know, fight, fight, or freeze, right? Because that where anger in, in, in points that I'm talking about lives in a much different place in the body and in the brain than, say, you know, calm, stable mood would. And so, so you know, I asked you the question, what do you do when you find yourself in those places that your anger is, is you know, you're having a hard time reconciling it? Yeah, I think that um, one of the things I hear and what you're saying, and, I, and as I'm thinking about it, is I think the, the, the difficulty for me and the reason that I can't sleep at night when I'm dealing with these is I think they're things that I can't control. That's what's difficult is I can't, I can't change the conversations that the president's having. I can't change how people interact with others. I mean, I can encourage different behaviors, but there's so little control I have over it that I think that's why it goes over and over in my brain because I can't really can't do anything about it. Um, I think when I can control anger and I'm, I'm not somebody who I'm not a big yeller, go at somebody. I'm not, I really don't have that much. Um, I don't know, physicality to my anger. You know, it's, it's yeah. something that I, I am able to think through a little bit more. Um, and I do think as somebody who, you know, is in communication, one of the things I, you know, recognize is if I'm really that angry, I need to step aside and 
think about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. Um, I will say I probably could get better at going, hey, kiddo, I recognize maybe I didn't say that as I should have. And we really like, you know, she's gotten better about saying, hey, can you tell me that now without wagging your finger or without standing above me or whatever. And um, so I think some of it for me is if it's family related, it's trying to find ways to minimize my behaviors and figure out how we can collaborate and come up with a better solution. But when it comes to this other stuff that I can't control, I just have to go, all right, quit thinking about it and, and force myself out of that mindset. And again, I when in saying that I recognize again a little bit of privilege in that I don't have I don't suffer from depression. So it's not something like when I tell my mind to stop, usually I can stop or think about something else. And I know people suffering from anxiety, suffering from depression have a harder time doing that. And so I really do feel for those who are like, I, I just can't stop my brain at all. Then I don't know if you have suggestions for that for those people who really have trouble stopping their brains. Yeah, I mean, a big piece of anger, again, is is anger in and of itself. In, in, in I don't know, we didn't, I didn't mean to get into the anatomy of an emotion here, but essentially what, how I understand anger, and particularly in the clinical work I do, is that it's, it's, an, it's an emotion, like I said, that it's meant to move you in some way. I'll admit that even in, as a clinician, I have worked to piss off my clients. <laughs> And I've done that because they're in this place, they're so defeated, they're so beat down by the world, by their illness, by whatever experience they're in, by a relationship that's abusive or whatever, they're so beat down that, that they can't access that anger. Because anger, again, it's an emotion that moves you to do something. Right. Totally. I've totally seen that, yes. Yeah. And so if you, if you do, and, and what you do is really what matters. And I've often said this when... Um, people who have anger management issues, and I'm not an anger management specialist, it's not really my area of expertise, but I'll say that I, you know, we all kind of have to have a little expertise in everything, but um, is when I talk to people, I tend to think anger is essentially an emotion of anxiety because it, it, where it lives in the brain is the part of the brain that is worried about survival. That is where it's, it's in the amygdala and the hippocampus, which is in that back part. And I'm, and I'm not a neuroscience, neuroscientist so, or neurobiologist, so I don't get into the like, super deep anatomy of it. But I can tell you that the part of the brain where anger lives is the fight, flight, or freeze, right? Those are the three things that we'd worry about with, with um, uh, survival. And our brain, that was, it's almost an autonomic process that you can't really have control over. If your body feels, if yourself feels in danger, it's, you know, you're going to be urged to move and do something. So the same thing applies in, even in these like socio-political issues or if you're in you know, proximity issues with like family members or friends that you're living with, you know, if you're angry, that means you're being urged to move and do something. Um, and then, so then therein lies the trick is like, what do you do, right? And because again, that's when um, people get in trouble. They can get physical, they can get verbally abusive, you know, whatever, uh, emotionally abusive. Um, and, and so what, as a clinician, I help, I try to help people think Okay, so you're angry, that's good, but let's figure out what to do with that. And, and if it's constructive, rational, appropriate, fair, lawful in some instances, um, that's not gonna self-harm. You know, some people would argue that in addictions, people who are angry with themselves will express their anger to themselves through self-harm, abuse of alcohol or substances. 
Um, and so, so it's like taking that anger and figuring out what you can do with it that is um, satiating, but that's also constructive, right? And so, and that can look different for a lot of different people. For me, it's, I'm a big journaler. I write a lot. And so it's writing, I've written angry, nasty, <laughs> swear word filled, like, you know, journal entries to people or, or instances or events in my life that have upset me. Um, you know, and, and, and I just to kind of get it together so that I can just feel like I've done something. I can articulate where I felt like I was on un something unjust happened to me, or I can articulate a, 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 a response back when I felt slighted or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and so that I can just have that experience of, of doing something. And then once I've moved through that and I'm back in the rational part of my brain, back in the front prefrontal cortex, I'm saying, okay, I've got this, you know, email, let's say that I've written to somebody who really upset me. Do I, you know, that's when I would think through, okay, do I send it and let them know I am angry and this is unjust and I need, this needs to be corrected? Or is it really going to lead to any kind of good outcome? You know, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, most of the time, no. Uh, and so I, then I just delete it and, I, and then I move on with my life. And if I keep coming back to that anger, then I've done something that I, either one or two things is happening. If I keep coming back to that anger, I'm either, it's not resolved and I've not done enough work on the, the anger is still pushing me and moving me to do something. I've not done something enough. Um, uh, or uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I, I do need to, to let that person know because I was unjust, something unjust happened to me. And I would like to add, because I think that that, you know, writing out the email and figuring out, open a Word document to write that email so that you don't accidentally send it. Right. Oh, that yeah, is absolutely. so important. To, or so I say handwrite the email. Handwrite it in your journal. Handwrite it on a right. piece of paper before um, you send it or something like that. Because yeah, look, don't because open up email and reply because there's... You don't want to hit that. I've accidentally sent some emails that I should have. But um, the yeah. point being is, is there's a process of doing something. Right. And I totally agree with that. I think um, I do that all the time, actually. That is one of my strategies is open up a Word document, write the email, rework the email, and sometimes completely delete that Word file and go, you know what, I, now that I've worked through it. And sometimes what happens, too, in the time that I'm working through it and thinking through it, other things have happened, other communication has happened that makes it all sort of irrelevant. And I'd be like, okay, got it out, I didn't send it, and wow, it's actually fixed, things are better, and it would have been worse had I sent it. So I think those, oh, yeah. those that time, the processing, and, and certainly if people are journaling, um, you know, more power to them. I am not, haven't been much of a journaler in my life, but. Well, I mean, that's a whole other episode we can talk about, because people think journaling is like this, like, you know, like, dearest diary, you know, like it's like <laughs> this old pioneers, the quill and yeah. feather and ink. No, I mean, you could open the notes uh, app on your phone and write out just use adjectives you know uh, and you say I am feeling dot 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 pissed angry upset frustrated hurt you know journaling isn't necessarily you know it's a much more creative but that's a totally different thing yeah um, we'll put that down as a as a podcast topic How yeah, to I, yeah it's a very fun thing to do uh so but the point is and this is so so then you ask the question okay well how I'm angry at Donald Trump the way he's he's um running this show oh well, the good news is, is you live in a democracy where you can be civically engaged and use that anger, harness that anger into motivation and get politically active. 
Well, and that was what I was going to ask too, is, you know, maybe thinking of some constructive ways that we can feel better about, and when we say politically active, I mean, you know, we're going to vote. Some people may not feel the urge to knock on doors and canvas and that type of thing, but you know, the people who are making masks, for example, it's a great creative outlet for them. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. um, we are doing other things. Like we get, we're so frustrated and angry about people who can't pay their rent and they have landlords who aren't working with them. And we, you know, people who can't get food, um, babies who are sick. I mean, we're so frustrated. And we are fortunate enough because I am continuing to work that it's like, you know what? Let's send a little money. Let's send it to food banks. Let's do those things that help us feel a little like we're, we're being constructive in some way. Um, so I think that's the other thing. What are some ways that people can feel constructive in this time to help with the anger they can't control? We can control the nagging of our kids. We can go, oh boy, did I nag you a lot today? Yeah, mom, you actually did. How about we have a nag-free day? Yeah. And I've done that here actually where, where I've been like, you know what? Today's a down day. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to nag you about it. Know that your chore list is still going to be there tomorrow, but hey, just take the day, whatever you need to do. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and I think parental strategies, again, are a little bit different. Um, and when it comes to the sociopolitical stuff, um, the, it, it's, it's really a lot. And I've had these conversations when I have clients who are very politically active. And our, I mean, I, I did, I've done a lot of work with activists to avoid burnout or to navigate burnout. You know, um, they feel ineffective, ineffective in their, you know, uh, I don't know, like or, um, organizing work or, or when they're protesting or, you know, whatever advocacy. And a lot of we have to restructure some thinking. And it's a lot about remembering in these sociopolitical times when you feel angry about something, it's about the long game, right? It's right. not, anger is like short bursts of energy. And so you have to remember that, um, that if you want to be, say, you want to manage your, your political anxiety or your political frustration, you know, there are tactics you can do that are long-term and then there are short-term. And like what you've described, donating money, um, I'm a big fan. I write my congressman a lot, a congressperson a lot, because they're going to hear from me. They're going to, I mean, and it's, an, it's an articulate, appropriate letter, but it's written out of anger. I'm frustrated about this. I'm frustrated about that. Right. You know, um, I, uh, uh, social media and, and, and doing political activity, you know, I'm, I don't know how effective it is. It's a lot more on the micro level, and, but I'm not really a political strategist, but I can tell you that a lot of people get on Twitter to vent their political frustrations. Um, the difficulty with that is, is knowing when to disengage. And again, right. that's a different conversation, but expressing your political discontent um, is, is, I think, a legitimate way in which to um, uh, you know, deal and manage with the short-term anger of, of the socio-political thing. Understand what we're living in too is unprecedented times. We've never had this happen in modern times that I'm aware of that I, that I can quote off the top of my head. You know, where it's because like if I'm sheltering in place, that means it's like a hurricane outside. The right. weather's beautiful. It's a blue sky, sun is shining, you know. And, and so for all intents and purposes, it looks wonderful. But, you know, so there's like a cognitive dissonance. So anyway, so when it comes to managing your frustration right now, one thing is remember to have self-compassion. It's a fabulous book uh, by, uh, her name's Dr. Kristen Neff. She is an educational psychology professor at UT Austin and has written um, a, a great book on self-compassion, but then also has done a workbook on self-compassion. And, and so learning that skill of allowing yourself to say, 
you know, I'm going to find the self-compassion. And that, again, that's a whole other episode. It'd be awesome to interview her, but anyways. Um, so, so, so expressing and practicing that compassion and self-compassion uh, in these short-term moments is typically the first thing I do. And then the long game, like we talked about, is then getting, you know, to the degree in which you feel comfortable getting politically engaged. If that means, you know, reading a book on the political subject, if that means writing your congressperson, if that means um, uh, donating to a campaign or donating to a cause or, you know, doing something, volunteering, all of these things, again, long game versus short game, because that's the point you have to make those differentiations when it comes to managing the socio-political anger. That's, that's what I call it. And I think if we're going to get on social media, really, like you said, identifying if you feel comfortable engaging with others and wanting to, to do that, or does it just kind of make you more angry? One of the things that I tend to do, because I do have on my boards across the political spectrum, and so what I tend to do is um, engage when I'm like, ah, that was, I don't like what, I don't think what you put up was accurate, it wasn't correct, there are problems. I might do that, but I, I lightly engage is what I would say. And then what I do is if there's something a point i really want to make i'll often just post it to my board or the way uh, i'll put it in my words the things that hey i'm seeing this and this is what's frustrating me here and i'll put that up there so that i'm hoping people across the spectrum are seeing it and that they're making a point but i'm not i'm not disrespecting somebody else's board by engaging in something that they thought was important and and i'm starting fights or arguments on their board because that's not really what i well and i think you know it's like um uh Getting in Facebook arguments, for instance, or Twitter fights are as about as effective um, as, I don't know, eating cake and expecting to, you know, get nutritional value out of it. Like, it's not, it's, it's an extra totally nutritional. Right, okay, maybe the only argument is cake, flour. Okay. Yes, like all the food groups. All right, all right. <laughs> the point is, is that like for me, I mean, you have to, this, a lot of this is about setting intentions. And I set the intention, I shared this a while back in one of the podcasts. My Facebook is a huge echo chamber and I have tailored it that way. <laughs> all of my friends on there are at the very least tolerant of my progressive ideals. And if they aren't, you are, well, I'm not going to come looking for you, you know, like, and I'm going to like search you out and say, oh, you know, you're a Republican or whatever. You know, that, that's not my game. My game is I'm going to share what I'm going to share. And if it bugs you, unfollow me, unfriend me. Your social media experience of me is highly, highly um, uh, uh, tailored, and you can tailor it exactly the way you want it and customize it the way you want it, and we never have to engage. But, you know, the point is, is that for me, my Facebook is a place to, to express myself and express the things I'm interested in um, and, and that's, so that's my social media use of social media. You know, I, I, for, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. I think every time I get on Twitter, I get really depressed because of the conversations that are happening on there are not always, I mean, it's just like, you have to be very careful with certain social medias because it may just, it, it, you may go there with the intention to express yourself and you may leave with just the reinforcing of the negative experiences you're having. Right. So, so again, it's a very mindful purpose of if you're going to, use Twitter as a way to express yourself politically or whatever, you know, you have to be very aware and conscientious of the fact that a lot of people are doing that. And you may read a lot of information and receive a lot of information that will not move you in the direction you want to go. Um, I don't, so don't even use Twitter that much because it's so much information that I, well, I find I, it 
a little overwhelming to actually engage. And, and the way I use social media really is often to find things that, I don't know, I want to engage with or find valuable or I can use my classes or things like that. So because I have such a purposeful use for the way I use social media, a lot of times all the other stuff's very distracting to me. And so yeah, um, it's, yeah. the, it's the best way I can to disengage because I know I don't disengage enough from Facebook and I, I really need, probably need to do more of oh, that. Okay. I'd probably sleep better. But Social media is like, again, that's a whole other episode. Like, cause if I'm the most productive when I turn off my Facebook, like when I literally shut it down and, and, and I've done um, Facebook cleanses cause Facebook, I mean, we're old. I mean, the young people aren't, don't use Facebook anymore. And as far as they're concerned, it's a graveyard. It's like nobody, you know, TikTok and Twitter and uh, there's other like social medias that I, Instagram is, you know, but, um, my identity on there is it nearly as articulated as it is on Facebook? And I've thought about deleting my Facebook and just sticking to other social medias, but I have so many connections and friends and resources and stuff. I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has really got me by the neck on that one because it's like, it's such a useful tool. Right. And yeah, a lot of my favorite parts of Facebook really is um, some of the academic communities that I yeah. have work. Honestly, get some great teaching ideas. I'll get things like, "Ooh, I'm gonna use that in my class." That's been really valuable to me. And so, again, kind of, um, I think again, we're kind of off topic there, but using yeah. it in different ways. So, you know, social media, we can we can do. Yeah. So I think, I mean, having a good social media diet is, is always something to be aware of, um, and how it affects your anger. But I think getting back to kind of the topic of anger in general, it's just really important that we don't characterize anger as something that is inherently bad. Right. Um, and so, so I, but I want to do one thing and I want to play the other side of, of this conversation. Okay. And I want to play devil's advocate and say for, for a moment, what about those people? Like, so for instance, I read that Lubbock, so I'm, you know, I'm doing my PhD at Texas Tech. And so I get a lot of stuff from that area. I'm not really engaged in that community, but I get some. They're just getting, it's April 21st, I want to say, they're getting ready to do a demonstration at uh, the Tech campus um, that is in, in direct violation of the shelter-in-place order. And, and so it's these folks. So my initial reaction as knowing where I am on this argument is to say, oh, that's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Are you trying to get this illness? Like, are you, what are you doing? So, but then I try to stop myself in my moments that I'm a little more cognitively lucid and say, okay, wait a minute. What are they trying to communicate that is, um, that is like, let me put myself in their shoes for a second. And let me say, what are they doing? Why are they, what, what function or purpose is this event going to serve for them? And, um, and, and so I, as playing, trying to play devil's advocate, I get where they're coming from in an in a way, because these people are, probably small business owners. These people are feeling disenfranchised by the fact that they have to stay home. And, you know, it, it's probably, you know, more along the lines of they don't have anyone in their direct, they have a more, let me say trouble thinking globally, but they don't have the luxury of thinking on a more global scale or more communal scale. They really kind of got to stay in their frame of reference, their family, their household, things like that. So, well, I also think that we're not trained to think like that. We think individualistically, yeah. and so yeah. big time. And we think it's my freedoms. I mean, I, I I do think there's some merit to wow. You don't like that your 
being told what you can and cannot do with your body, yet you're okay with uh, with women's bodies being legislated. I mean, I think these are really fascinating arguments to me right now. But yeah, that we're not used to that individualistic freedom, which I think is another thing that this virus can actually equalize some of these conversations is imagine now, because we've had so much trouble with empathy, imagine now how you feel about anybody's rights being taken, taken away for any reason. If you're not okay with this moment, how about this? Because I agree with you. I see where they're coming from that um, I can't work or can't do what I want to do. I, I get that. I get that sense of those things. Um, so this one on Texas Tech, is it um, planning to be peaceful or is this let's bring out our artillery? I don't, there was no mention of bringing your sidearm uh, to the event uh, in the poster. I don't, I didn't really engage in the discourse around the event. Well, in um, Texas Tech, so it's, you're not allowed I, to carry if weapons they're on, be campus. on campus. I think that they still have to have it concealed. I don't think they can have yeah, yeah, yeah. it open carry if they're, if their protest is on campus itself, yeah. but they could have their concealed, which they would anyway. I mean, that's, that's neither here nor there, but. Yeah. And I mean, I think, because I'm of two minds about it. I am a big fan of the Constitution that says we have the right to assemble peacefully. And if this is what, and, and if I'm saying get politically engaged so you can deal with your anger, then I have to be all right in a way with what they're doing. In the sense, and, and I, am I going to be there? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> double hockey sticks? No. Okay. But am I, do am I and am I against them being there? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Even just from a public health perspective, one thousand percent. But do I get and empathize and you know uh, recognize the reasons why? Oh, one thousand percent, yes, I do. I get it um, because I, I felt that same way myself. Um, and I, you know, I had this conversation with my friend. We should have on the podcast sometime. I think she's very, you'd, you really like her. She's a very insightful person. Um, and we were talking about, you know, like, how do you negotiate? Um, you know, like, I had to take my dog to the groomer. You know, we're in this isolate, you know, we're in lockdown and all these things. But like, um, and they were very responsible the way that we did it. You know, they only let one person in the shop at a time and you had to six feet away outside waiting for, you know, and it was good. I had to keep some of the, uh, uh, linger lingerers there who were like after they you know deposited their their furry companion they had to like they were like seeing my dog and i'm like mm, taking steps back but anyway so, so I, but i that just reminded me of like life goes on you know my dog has to be groomed he is i have a long hair golden retriever and he you know we do our best but we're not professional groomers like he's gonna get mats his nails were getting long to the point where it was probably uncomfortable for him to walk. You know, like there, there's something to be, you don't just groom your animal companion because you, you know, it's some kind of like thing. I mean, there's a real quality of life piece there for them as well. So, so I had to, in a way, like go, I have this battle with myself where it's like, do I go out? Right. Or do I stay home and let my poor animal companion suffer? And it's the same, only ours, um, we have a private groomer. So we could go, all right, we've not been in contact with anybody. You haven't been in contact with anybody. Okay, we're going to, and we still social, I was like, I'm going to drop the dog off on your thing, ring your doorbell and walk away. Right. And, yeah. You know, I'll stand at the end of the curb, make sure you actually took my dog inside. <laughs> but, but I mean, and that gets yeah. to the point of it is that life goes on. Even yeah. in the midst of a pandemic, the likely what they're predicting to be the biggest economic downfall, downturn we've had in maybe ever, like, 
I mean, we're getting ready to, I mean, life goes on. Like right. you, like we, we have to live. You got to get up in the morning and go to work or you have to make money or your rent is still due or all of these things. And it's, I'm, I'll tell you where my anger is coming from in, in this conversation I was having with my friend about, it's like, I hate that I have to do this, but I have to, life goes on, life goes on. And, and, and so it's, how do you know, how do you manage that dissonance? I mean, me, I just take a deep breath and I try to, do, I practice as much hazard uh, or what do you call it, uh, uh, harm reduction as possible. And, you know, I don't have any masks in my house. So I like wrapped a scarf around my, which is like, come on, it doesn't do any good, but you know, and, or in, and keep myself as in and out as fast as possible, you know, whatever, like, do you do the best you can? And I think people need to hear this more often. And that's maybe the message that I have for this podcast is that it, you're doing, you doing the best you can is good enough sometimes. Okay. And I do think that is important. It is okay to feel the way you feel today and mm -hmm. at any given moment that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to want to get out. It's okay to battle with, can I go do this one thing? Can we have this one friend over? Can we, especially with our kids, our kids are, are tired of not seeing their fam, their friends and totally get that. Um, and, you know, again, as extroverts, you know, here we, we do this podcast and we have a book club because we're, we have to have that social engagement right. and those types of things. And I think that's, what's important here is what can people do that helps them get their outlets? They're going to have to figure out what those things are. Is it gardening? Is it, and there are, again, I get really frustrated with Lowe's, for example, in the way they've advertised and promoted and not really social distanced in the, and helped their people social distance. I get really frustrated with that. But I get the need to garden and get out. And there are like, um, I was just seeing a, uh, an ad from one of our local greenhouses that is, okay, we're not quite online yet, but we're going to be online. We can, we've got all these plants now and they're, they're beautiful and big now because we've had to <laughs> hold them back for a little bit. So A, I know that they did close down for a little bit. Kudos to them for trying to do that. And then B going, you know what? I, we want it. We're still going to social distance. Here's how we're going to handle it. Here's how we'll give you your curbside. If you want to do online ordering, those things that help people still have an outlet and help them get through this frustration and feel like they're still getting out and moving and engaging in, in ways that are safe, not just for their physical health, but also for their mental health. Yeah. And I think that's it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, life goes on and you got to do the best you can, you know, and, and, um, and, and in some way, form or fashion, we have to continue. I mean, I love this, the, the, the great Jeff Goldblum quote, was it life finds a way, right? And like, I think that was him in Jurassic Park. Jurassic right? Park, probably. And, and, and what a weird place to draw inspiration from. But listen, in these, in these times, you got to take it where you can get it. He was a mathematician in that movie. So that, at least he was, you know. Somebody of legitimate, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, in legitimacy. So anyway, I mean, I think, you know, for us, as we kind of, I think we're wrapping up at the end, right? We're getting yeah, yeah, towards the end. Um, it's just, you know, you do the best you can um, and, and, and do something with that anger that's constructive and ultimately um, and be, just be aware of yourself and, and mindful. I mean, that's a real buzzword these days, but, but it's true, you know, be aware of yourself as best as you can. Right. Um, and, and, you know, 
we needed this and I think people need to find what they need. What do you need to, you know, take that breath, not feel quite so angry or anxious and fearful. There's a lot of fear at, at root of all of this as well, so that we can be good to ourselves and be good to each other. Yeah, great. Well, anyway, it's always good to see you, Chris. Uh, and take care of yourself. We're going to be pu- putting these out as much as we can, and we appreciate uh, your listening. And um, take care until next time.